Bible nearby, uh, you turn to Titus chapter 2. So this week, uh, this Sunday, is the fourth in a teaching series that we've had going on. So if you're here for the first time, uh, there's definitely some context that we've been establishing over the last few weeks. Uh, we record and put on a podcast everything, so if you want to catch up, you can do that, and I would encourage you to do that. I feel like we've um, been over some things that are very important and uh, fit together very well and are very timely for us as a as a congregation, you know, as a church. And um, tonight we, we'll bring this to a close. I've been using this uh, this yoke here. Let me bring it over here. As an example, uh, kind of an object lesson of sorts, um, where Jesus says to, for us to take his yoke upon us and to learn from him, and he uses this agricultural farming metaphor type deal. Uh, and so this is the last week that you'll see this, so soak it up. Um, the way that a yoke would be used, you would take, a, you'd take two animals and put them in here. One would be one would be far more experienced than the other, ideally. Uh, so whenever it was time to train up a new, uh, let's say it's an ox, right? A new ox, you'd put the new younger ox in the yoke with the veteran ox as a means of the younger one learning from the older one. And they would work together, but they're tied together. And so um, the older one understands the signals of the master, understands the instructions and when to go, when to stop, and when to go left, when to go right, all that stuff. And so uh, as a means of uh, learning through experience, they are yoked together. And over time, the young one learns from the, from the older one. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, uh, we've been, kind of been running with that, uh, that visual understanding that he's saying, okay, I'm going to be the seasoned veteran animal here. You get in the yoke with me, and you learn from me. Uh, you learn everything there is to know about the kingdom of God from me. And uh, I know the, the voice of the Father. I'll teach you how to discern that. I'll tell you how to know when he's saying go, and when he's saying stop, and when he's saying go right, and when he's saying go left. Uh, I'll teach you all those commandments. Uh, I'll teach you to discern his command, his voice, how to distinguish his voice from other voices. I mean, there's just everything you need to know. It says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. And so we've been kind of running with this uh, through the topic of discipleship and how we are to be learners. Uh, We learn the faith. Uh, not like you do in a classroom, but more like you do on the farm, like this is where we where we learn it. Uh, and the Bible ha- is filled with these kinds of, of ideas that that keep pointing to this. Uh, and we're just going to put up several of them up on the screen, and all of them go back to this same idea. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter six, you don't need to turn there. But let me just kind of run through these. We'll flash them up there for you. Uh, it says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." Um, that's in verse 4. Do you have the rest of them? Yeah. Look at that. Okay. Um, I'm following along here on the little screen. So, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Here's where the teaching learning comes in. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise. Notice it doesn't say you will take your children to church and the staff at the church and the Sunday school teachers and the, everybody, they will teach your children the faith. Um, that's not, it's nowhere in the Bible does it say that. The Bible is very consistent with this. You teach these to your children, that you are the primary disciplers of your kids. And so uh, if you have kids or, or are hoping to have kids or whatever, to a degree, uh, this, this yoke fits into your life in, in this way. Um, you want your kids ultimately to be in the yoke with Christ. You want them, Jesus to be here and your kid to be there. Um, 
In another sense, God has entrusted them to you for you to be on this side and for them to be on this side and for them to learn the rhythms of faith in Christ and the rhythms of the kingdom from you in the yoke as well. Where Jesus is teaching your kids indirectly through you, he's still teaching them, but he's using your example. And so um, a, lot of, a lot of people today in America have sort of a, what I call like a subcontractor mindset when it comes to parenting, you know, you, uh, like you're the general contractor and you sub out all this stuff, you know, so the, you know, the coaches are supposed to teach them how to do this particular sport and the, whatever, ballet teachers teaches them this and the English teacher teaches this and the math teacher teaches this and the youth minister or the kids minister or whatever teaches them this and you're just kind of there kind of managing, making sure all those subcontractors are doing their job. Um, and that might work in some of those things, but uh, doesn't apply here. And so the Bible says parents are in, they're, they're sitting first chair, all right? And when it comes to discipleship, everything else is, is second to that. And so uh, verse 7, teach them to your children. Uh, talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And we could get into that a whole lot, but basically um, the most foundational bit of scripture in the Jewish community came down to parents teaching their kids, and it was constant, you know. It wasn't just this one isolated part of the day. It's just constantly you're teaching your kids who God is and who they are because of that and, and whatever. And all it goes back to this yoke. Uh, Proverbs 27 Verse 17, you might be familiar with this one, um, talking about iron sharpening iron. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That's, that's pointing back to this. Iron sharpens iron. Uh, that's how you get iron sharp, is you like, scrape it against other iron. That is pointing back to this yoke as well. Uh, First, Thessal- First Thessalonians 1, 6 and 7, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Imitators. That's where you learn to imitate Christ by being in the yoke with him. You learn to imitate Christ by being in the yoke with other people who are also learning to imitate Christ. Uh, For you receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Um, And then verse 7, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Acacia. To be an example, that points to this as well. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2 says this, uh, and you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. I'm sorry, who will be able to teach others also. Um, this is to be entrusted to people who are able to teach other people, and then those people are able to teach other people, and those people are able to teach other people. That's why we're here today, uh, because in the book of Acts, it was handed down to people and they were trained up. They got into the yoke with Christ and they got into the yoke with each other and they learned and they learned and they learned and they taught and they learned and they taught and they learned and they taught and it kept getting passed on and passed on and passed on and now here we all are because of their faithfulness to look at this and understand that this is not a joke. Uh, And then Matthew 11, we already talked about in uh, verse 28 through 30 that Jesus describes it this way. Come to me, all who, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's saying, look, you get into the yoke with me, and I'm going to do, do all, the, all the heavy lifting. You know, I'm going to die for your sins. I'm going to take care of it once and for all like we just sang about. I'm going to give you that confidence. I'm going to do everything that you can't do. And then I'm going to train you in the rhythms of kingdom life. So in the Great Commission, Jesus says, uh, go, go to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, which means get them into the yoke with Christ. And then he says, uh, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. That part of the Great Commission is what do you do after someone understands who Jesus is and that he has come to save them and they place their faith in them, uh, what do you do then? Do you just put them on the roll at the church you know, and be like, all right, you're good, let's go find some more people? Um, that's not where it stops. He says they need to get into the yoke, but then they have to learn to live in 
rhythm with me and in relationship with me. And they do that directly with Jesus in the yoke. And they also do that with other believers who get in the yoke as well. So uh, tonight we're going to get down to like the nuts and bolts of what this needs to look like. What, uh, what should happen when, when you get to the point where you understand how important this is? We talk a lot about like learning from Jesus directly. When we talk about learning indirectly from him through other people when it comes to uh, being in one side of this yoke or the other. Okay? Sometimes you'll be in the like, more experienced side of it. And you'll be sitting down with someone who's less experienced. And you'll be teaching them. What is that supposed to look like? What about when you're in the other side? How do you know... How do you know when it's the right time? How do you know the right person? And what does that should that look like? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to st- go through some of those issues here in just a second. But look, where, look in Titus chapter 2 where we turned, uh, I asked you to turn a second ago. Some very significant teaching here that kind of helps us see a picture of what we're talking about. Start in verse 1. We looked at this in community groups a few weeks ago and Uh, So it may sound familiar. Uh, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Uh, Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, And so train the younger women to love their husbands and children, uh, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Verse 6, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that, at, so that an opponent may uh, be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. So in that context, and obviously historically, uh, there's, you know, we don't need to get bogged down in some of the uh, gender you know, issues that are there. When you look at the concept, he's saying, look, within the family, older men need to live a certain kind of life. And a part of that life is training the younger men to live that same kind of life. That older women need to live a certain kind of life. And a part of that life is training the younger women to live those lives as well. It's to be a natural part of living in a family. And that's, that's something that we have to grab onto more and more and more. Is that uh, it, it, this isn't like a programming thing. You know, it's not just, uh, yeah, no, we need more stuff to do. It's like, no, it, when, when you live in a family, you teach and you learn. That's, that's what happens. But it's not just for the sake of teaching and learning. So those of you who are parents, you, uh, there are things that you teach your children. Um, but it's not just because you're bored, you know, or not just because they're inquisitive. You teach them things because you're, you're trying to form something in them. You're trying to shape them into, into a certain kind of person. And so there's stuff that you teach them. You teach them to tie their shoes because people don't know how to tie their shoes. Uh, then other times you teach them respect for uh, their possessions, right? The things that they have. You teach them to take care of things because you're forming, you're trying to form them into a certain kind of person. You teach them to, to say thank you because you're trying to form them into someone who's grateful. You teach them to say yes sir and yes ma'am because you're trying to teach them respect for others and a certain degree of manners and things like that. You're you're you teach them those things not just to like control their behavior. I mean sometimes you probably are in like like behavior control mode and I, I get that. That's that's awesome. But the greater picture is you're trying to you're trying to shape them. You're trying to form them. You're trying to create a lifestyle for them. And that's what this is too, that in the family we are learning a lifestyle from each other. And 
it applies for us as a church that we are learning that from each other. So in Titus chapter 2, he's saying, look, if a part of being in the family of God is that the older ones teach the younger ones, and the younger ones learn from the older ones. And so you're striving to live a certain way, and you're also looking around saying, who, who can I get in the yoke with to teach? You're, you're trying to learn some things, and you're trying to look on the other side of the yoke and say, who's really good at this? And so it's teaching and learning and teaching and learning all the time. It's part of it. So uh, I said this last week, that I, I believe that we are ready f- for this in a way that we haven't been ready before as a congregation. Uh, a lot of these things are not new. You know, this is not like coming out of left field necessarily. We've talked about it for a long time, but I get the sense that we, uh, as we mature as a, as a living organism, as a family together, there are just points where certain things are now possible that maybe weren't possible a few years ago. Uh, and I feel like God's been laying some groundwork for this. So uh, in a practical sense, what, what should these relationships look like? Uh, there's a a professor at Fuller Seminary who, uh, his name is J. Robert Clinton, and he kind of breaks breaks these relationships down into like nine different possibilities, and those nine he puts them in like in three kind of categories. And I'm sort of borrowing some of his ideas, but the terminology will be different. I'm not going to give you nine. I'm just going to give you three because I can't remember nine. I can remember threes. Um, Three different possibilities for, for this. And for some of you, this is going to bring a lot of relief. Because um, I know that this is intimidating. I know that our insecurities tend to like really flare up when, when it comes down to having, having to think that uh, someone's going to model themselves after your life. You know, I get that. Um, three, three different kind of categories it can fall into. Uh, and really, it comes down to um, how often you meet and what that determines, okay? So uh, the first one uh, would be, like, you could just kind of put this in a, you put three words. Uh, Those who meet steadily, those who meet occasionally, and those who meet once, right? Those who meet steadily, those who meet occasionally, and those who just meet once. Uh, Those who meet steadily, this is probably what most of us think about when you first hear discipleship, Um. You think uh, like the someone that you meet with like every week, uh, maybe every other week, but it's like really, really steady. It's very consistent. Um, it is incredibly relational. Uh, these are these aren't just like casual relationships. And this is someone who knows you like really, really knows you because you meet every Tuesday at this time or whatever. Uh, it's very consistent, very relational. Uh, this is. The, the kind of relationship where there's kind of like some basic discipleship things. Like this is maybe someone who is, uh, is teaching you some of the like uh, fundamentals, let's say. It's teaching you about prayer, teaching you about the Bible, how to read it, teaching you about uh, growing in holiness and identity and some of those, some of those kinds of like really like, like, like the slab of the building kind of stuff, like some really important things. Um, very foundational stuff, and then you kind of build on that. Um, this is someone who, uh, like this is where accountability would come in. You know, so this would be, um, you are, you're meeting together, and uh, you, let, let's say that you are meeting with someone who's a little bit further down the road than you, and you open up and you share about some sort of, some particular habitual sin struggle that you talk about. So you, you discuss it. And this is where the next time you meet, like the following Tuesday, this person asks you, all right, so last week we talked about this. How's that been going? Um, this is the person, this is where the relationship is of uh, confession and repentance. This is um, checking on each other. This is, this person says, uh, I really tend to struggle with this particular sin issue at this time of day. This person is like firing over some text at that particular time of day, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, that's this relationship. You meet really, really steady. This is long-term, okay? This is uh, a commitment that you've made. Um, I would say that if you're taking notes, you should write down, this is a high commitment category of relationship. And it's very, it's very parental, all right? It doesn't replace your parents, but it's very parental. 
Okay, this person over here is kind of functioning uh, in the like mom or dad kind of role to you. Um, that's that's how it works. Uh, this is not you aren't in the yoke necessarily with one of your peers in the, in this kind of situation. Uh, peer relationships are very very important, and that's a whole other conversation. We're talking. There's a difference in experience, maybe not necessarily in years. So you may have someone who is the same age as you. Uh, but they have walked with Jesus 10 years longer than you, that means that you're not peers in that regard, okay? So you're looking at, there is some um, imbalance here in regard to how long you followed after Christ, uh, but this, this kind of relationship is there. So you can maybe think, think Paul and Timothy in this regard. Uh, Paul calls Timothy his son in the faith. Uh, there isn't any indication that Timothy's father was around very much and um, just very clear that through this relationship, through Paul being on this side, the experienced side, and Timothy being younger in the faith and learning a lot, that they were in a very steady kind of parental, long-term, accountable, mentorship type relationship. Um, that would be this one, okay? So a high commitment. Uh, if you think that this is the only way this can happen, then no wonder so many of us run away from it. You know, it's very costly. Uh, it's very personal. It's very, uh, I don't know. It's like in this situation, you're like, you're, if you're on this side, if you're in the learning side, you're basically telling the person on the other side, uh, you have complete access to everything in my entire life. And that's, very, that's a scary, vulnerable place to be. And if you're on the other side, you're saying, whatever you bring to me, I'm ready to take it on and walk with you through it. And that can be intimidating as well. So this is not for the weak. You know? It's not for the insecure. Um, this is for like real, this is real deal stuff. And you may not feel that you're ready for it, for this side of it, but you are. And you may not think you need this side of it, but you do. And so that's, uh, so that's that one. People that meet steadily is the first one. The second one, uh, people that meet occasionally. People that meet occasionally, all right? This would be more uh, like you meet as needed, or maybe there's a set number of times that you meet. Um, and this would be like you're like focused on something really specific, Uh so let's say that let's say that that you're on you're on this side you're on the learning side and um, let's say that you are you feel the Lord stirring you up about something maybe it's a prayer life maybe it is um, maybe you just got engaged you know maybe you're a soon to be husband a soon to be dad a soon to be college graduate you know it's whatever. Um, and you feel the Lord is calling you to seek out someone, not for a long-term, like, high-commitment discipleship thing. You're looking for someone that you can sit down with a couple of times and talk to them, ask them some questions, pick their brain a little bit, uh, learn from their experience or whatever. Um, so if you're wanting a deeper prayer life, you find someone who has a deep prayer life and uh, you meet a couple of times, okay? It's not, uh, you know, forever, ever, and ever, amen kind of deal. It's not every Tuesday. It's not whatever. It's just from time to time, you meet, and you talk about something really specific, and just as a means of learning from someone who is more of an expert than you are, okay? Um, this could be, you could seek wise counsel about something. You could be facing a big... Uh, I don't know, let's say that, that you're on the cusp of something, a big financial decision, and you need to seek the, the counsel of someone who is just better with money than you are, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, those kinds of, of things uh, where you would meet occasionally, maybe th- just three or four times. It has a definite uh, timeline. Um, it's a lot less relational than the first one, okay? You're not asking someone to, like, hold you accountable. You're not asking them, you're not giving them a, uh, just a backstage pass your whole life, that kind of stuff. It doesn't have that same kind of relational commitment to it. Uh, you're wanting to learn from them, or if you're on this side, you're willing to teach them some of the things that you've been through, uh, but it has a, just a limited amount of time. So the first one was a high commitment. This is like a low 
to maybe a medium type commitment, depending on what it is. Uh, this is like one of those things. So it's not relational. It's more, this is more of a, of a resource. This person is a resource to you and they've agreed and said like, yeah, let's, let's meet a couple of times over the next couple months as you're, as you're getting ready to get married. Maybe let's meet once or twice and we'll talk. And then after you're married, let's meet you know, once or twice again. Those kind of things. Learning to pray, learning the Bible, finances, just whatever. Uh, the occasional discipleship yoked together relationship. That's, that's that one. Um, the third one uh, is people you just meet once. And this, uh, some of you are like, man, I'm so glad you said that. One time, one time meeting. Uh, this could, this would be more of, um, like you'd have to be really clear about that up, up front. You'd have to say, hey, um, I would just like to sit down with you once and ask you about this, learn from you about this. Maybe this is someone that you, uh, that you know, someone that you admire. Maybe this is like a chance encounter that you have, you know. I was at a wedding last night, talked to this guy for a while, and just learned so much. Like it was awesome. Uh, I didn't schedule that. Uh, he didn't schedule that. The Lord kind of scheduled it, and it was like a one-time thing, and, you know, it is just that. You know, that those, those are fine. I, I can learn from someone in a 30-minute conversation very easily. Uh, I can learn from someone by just sitting down once. I don't have to ask them to meet every single week. Uh, I, as a learner, can be there and like just be totally present and learn from them. So this would be someone who you really consider to be an expert at something. You know, someone that you're like, I want to, I want to emulate this person in like every possible way in this regard. Uh, this is a one-time thing. Uh, and so the first one was a high commitment. The second one was like low to medium. This one has almost no commitment. This one has like you're committing to like coffee for like an hour. Like that's it. Uh, and some of you, that sounds like a huge price to pay, but it's really not. So uh, that's like almost no commitment. Uh, there is no expectation of a relationship with them. Um, so like, like in, in my case, let's say, that I'm, let's say that I set up a time to meet with a veteran pastor. Um, and I just say, hey, can I come in? Can I just have an hour of your time? I just want to come in and learn. You know, you've been in ministry 50 years. I want to learn stuff. I come in, ask questions, learn, soak it all up, and go away, and maybe never see that person again until the new earth, and that's totally fine. Uh, there is no expectation of more, of more than that. Uh, it's one-time thing. So you have three categories, people that meet steadily, people that meet occasionally, and people that just meet once. All are important. All play really important roles. God uses all of them together. Uh, you don't need to feel the pressure to have all three categories covered at all times, Jesus will orchestrate this for us. Like, he's put his church together. He, he will do this for us. We don't need to be pressured to always have a Paul. You know, got to always have a Paul. Got to always have a Timothy. Got to always have a Barnabas. Got to always have all these kind of relationships. We just need to be obedient to the things he's calling us to. It's just very simple. So, in the nuts and bolts of it, in the mechanics, let me cover a couple of things. Um, as I kind of get to the practical stuff, uh, let me give you four. All right, practical steps moving forward with this. Let's say that you you're ready, you value it, you are you're on board with being in this side as the veteran teacher. You're on board being on this side as the less experienced rookie. You're willing to play both roles as Jesus uh, leads you to it. Um, a couple of practical questions. The first one. Uh, is always like who makes the first move, you know, who who gets the ball rolling in this conversation, and I would say that there's biblical evidence. It really doesn't matter. Either either way is totally fine. Um, and if you look at Jesus as your example in in that situation, Jesus sought out his disciples, like the as far as like the twelve, you know, he pursued them. So. Uh, you and I have every, it's, if we're going to imitate him, it would be, let's be confident enough to seek out people that we can invest in. And it, it's not about age, okay? It's not about experience. It's not about whatever. Uh, it's about obedience. But there is uh, a biblical, there's biblical evidence for this person on this side 
to initiate. There's also uh, evidence on this side as well. Like we see that in the scriptures as well, where, where people are they're wanting to learn. There's a desire to pursue the other side. So really, uh, it doesn't matter. So you can't sit around and you can't be over here and ex- you can't be on the veteran side and expect for someone to come and ask you to mentor them. And you can't be over here and just expect for somebody in the, who's farther along to come and want to mentor you. Uh, if, if you're both expecting the other side to make the first move, then you're probably just both going to sit around and wait a long time. So being prayerful and all that kind of stuff, that's, that's really what we're going for. But there, there's evidence on both sides of it, so it really doesn't matter. But I would, I would just say a, a word about people over here. Um, and particularly, uh, I'm hesitant to use this terminology, but uh, are adults in the room? Um, more of you are adults than you would consider yourself to be adults. Uh, we rarely put ourselves in the right category in in that sense, um, and I know like in in our church we coming from a like college ministry background stuff like that we probably tend to like immediately think about the college group right um, and and there's some legitimacy to that but it's we shouldn't exclusively do that but let's just for a second let's as an as a way of learning let's say that there <clears throat> that this is like all the college group it's right here. And that this is like everybody else, all right? All of us who are not in the college or community group anymore. Um, if we on this side are obsessed with them thinking that we're cool, uh, this yoke is never, never going to be what Jesus intends for it to be. You need to stop worrying that they think that you're cool, or that they like you, or that, like, whatever. It's, it's not about that. Um, it's not about them coming to you. It's not about, uh, no, yeah, let's get together and have coffee and just get to know each other. Uh, it needs to be deeper than that. That's what they want. They want more depth. They don't care if you're cool or not. Um, they've told me this. Uh, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter about that. We have to... Um, the adults have to act like adults, you know? Like, we have to be uh, confident enough and secure enough in who we are to pray and pursue. And if God wants, uh, wants us to pursue someone that's in this group and for this kind of relationship here, um, we, it can't be about, like, them thinking that we're cool or funny or that we're younger than we really are, you know, like those kinds of things. So, um and then you guys over here, the college group, um, you, you have to realize like both sides of this, they, we want that. Um, we want this relationship to work. And then to take away both labels and just say in general, uh, it's like everybody wants it, but it, we're all like very scared, you know. And so in some ways, we're, it's like a middle school dance you know, and you have like the the guys on one side and the girls on the other, you know, and the teachers don't understand why they won't dance with each other and stuff or whatever. And it's like just this, whatever it tends to happen in, in terms of like people who've walked with the Lord for a while and people who haven't walked with the Lord for a while, somebody has to make the first move. It needs to be probably more often than not, the people who are more mature in Christ should be the ones to initiate and to, uh, ask the other one to dance, so to speak. So, um, in this regard, who, who makes the first move, it doesn't really matter, all right? But it, I believe that it would be incredible for our adults to really lead in this. Uh, that's, I think, some of what God's stirring in us. So that's the first thing. Who makes the first move? Either way. Um, the second question, uh, of all the people around us, like, who do I ask, you know? Where do I start? Um, if you're ready for either, either side of this, where... How do you start? Well, um, of course, I'm going to always say, like, well, you've got to be prayerful about it. Uh, don't go with the obvious, like whatever. You know, don't go into default mode. Um, you pray and you ask the Lord, All right, who, who do I start? I've got a lot of people to choose from. I have, let's, say that, let's say that you're wanting to learn. So I've got a lot of really stellar examples around me in this congregation. Or if you're ready to invest in someone, I've got a lot of people who have walked with Jesus less time than, than I have. A lot of people to choose from. There's a lot of folks there. How do you know? Well, <clears throat> you got to be prayerful. You have to ask the Lord to, to 
help you narrow it down. But what I, what I tell people when they ask me is, I'm like, okay, based, based on uh, of those three things that you're looking for, whether to meet occasionally or to meet uh, steadily or just to meet once, you look around your life and just think, who, who am I drawn to? You know, if you're wanting to learn, look around your life and say, who do I want to get in the yoke with? Who do I admire? Who do I see uh, those qualities in them that I want to learn from and learn to imitate them? And I want, like, who am I just naturally kind of gravitating toward? Or if you're ready, if you're wanting to invest in someone, it's the same kind of thing. Like, who do you just have a heart for? Who do you just click with really, like, really well? Um, you look around your life and you pray and you look around your life and you pray and you look around your life and you pray and you keep that process going and the list will get smaller. Like Jesus will bring someone to the front of the pack. That's just how he does it. Um, and so we pray about it. Um, you, could, you can always ask the, let's say like the elders and staff, for example. You can always ask us. You can say like, hey, I'm, I'm ready to uh, invest in someone do you, has anyone come to you and said that they're ready to be invested in? Like maybe that's how things can get orchestrated. Or let's say you're like, hey, I'm kind of going through something. I'm looking for someone uh, in the congregation who's been through this before. Do you know of someone that uh, I could talk to about it? Uh, use us as a resource. We, we kind of have a perspective that, that covers a lot of ground, and maybe that could be a resource as well um, as, we, as we pray for it. Um, you look around your life, you look for those you're drawn to, you look for those you can learn from. You also look for those who are missing some of these voices. Uh, you, look for, you look for someone who um, maybe didn't have parents who were believers growing up. Maybe you look for someone who did, was miss, whose dad wasn't around or whose mom wasn't around. Uh, maybe that's a, you look for some of those gaps, you know, some of those relational gaps that are there. Uh, you look for people who, um, you can just tell that there's some, there's some void there. You may not even know what it is, but you can just tell, like, yeah, something, something should have been in place in their upbringing that wasn't. Uh, and you start to, you talk to them about it and figure that out. You look around your life and you pray and you let the Lord draw you to someone um, so who makes the first move? Either way, who do I ask? You look around your life and you ask Jesus about that and uh, let him narrow that down. Um, so let, let's say that you've done that. Let's say that you're ready. You're ready to initiate. You've been praying. Uh, you know who it's supposed to be. How do you, uh, how does that conversation go? Like how do, how do you approach them? Um, again, it depends on which of those three categories you're wanting to go into, okay? If you want to totally freak out an adult, college students, go up to them and say, hey, I just want to know, would you, uh, would you disciple me and meet with me every Tuesday for an hour and let's go through Second Thessalonians in Greek? <laughs> That'll freak them out. And they'll probably tell you no. And they should, because that's extreme. Uh, it should be appropriate based on what you're looking for. Um, you need to... Probably my my advice, no matter what, no matter what you are really desiring and hoping for, you should probably start off at the level of like, can we meet once? Like, just start there, you know. Um, I know it's not like dating exactly, but you don't start off asking someone to marry you. You start off asking them on like a date. So start off by asking someone for like a coffee time. Um, just sit down and just say, hey. Uh, like, let's say that you're on the learning side. Um, I would, I, that conversation should be very, very humble, okay? Very affirming. You should probably go to this person. You should say, hey, uh, there's some things in your life that I just really, really admire. Do you think that we could get coffee or a meal or something sometime? And just let me ask you some questions about how you got to be the way that you are. Uh, there's nothing intimidating about that. There's nothing scary about that. They may shoot you down. They may say like, oh, if you only knew what I'm really like, whatever. And don't put up with that. Say, no, 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 no. I see it. And even if it's a, if it's a complete farce, I still want to sit down and have coffee with you or whatever. If you would be willing to let me learn from you. Um, do that. Or if you're on this side uh, you and you're going to someone to invest in them, 
again, full of humility and affirmation, but I think you go to them and, and say like, hey, uh, I've been praying and I just think there's probably some stuff you could learn from me. And who knows how they will react to that. But you're not going to them saying like, hey, I'm super good at something that you were terrible at. You know? You're saying like, hey, I, I've been through some things and I've been praying. I really just want, I want to share life with someone uh, in this way and whatever. And I've been praying and God keeps bringing you to mind. So why don't we just get coffee sometime? And even if it's just a one-time thing, let me just share some of this, sink some of this into your life or whatever. Just just be cool about it. Don't be weird, you know? Don't go in asking for the moon. Be very considerate. If you're going to go and ask for ask to meet with someone and they have a, a job and a wife and like four kids, then maybe be considerate of that, you know? Um, if, if, they, if you go to them and they're like, look, this is a terrible time for me. I just don't know if it's going to happen. Don't pout, you know, don't whatever. They're just being honest with you. Uh, those kinds of things. Just be, just be very cool about it. Don't be awkward about it, whatever. Uh, be, but be honest, you know. If your goal is to have someone meet with you every single week uh, and you sit down with them one time, Okay. At some, as you're talking, at some point you need to say, I really, I, at some point want someone I can meet with very steadily. Maybe that's you, maybe that's not you. Um, be honest with them. Don't try to dupe the other person into some sort of like relationship or whatever. Ex- like set your expectations appropriately based on what, what you're wanting it to be. But just don't be weird about it. You know, just be, just be cool about it. Be very laid back and whatever. Um, don't overwhelm them. Be very considerate, uh, be very clear, those kinds of things. And like I said, maybe just start off, let's, can we just meet once? And then if Jesus wants to do more than once, then that, let him do his thing. Uh, you just be obedient with that first step. Um, the last thing, what, what should our time together look like? Uh, well, of course, it varies depending on what, which of those three categories that you're in. If you meet one time, uh, your time together... When you meet one time, typically it's uh, probably the the learner who is initiating. You want to sit down with someone. If you're going to meet with them one time, and and really either way, I guess, when you go in, be very organized, have a good plan for what you want to talk about. If you uh, if if you ask someone to sit down and teach you some things, or you just want to pick their brain for a one time thing, don't go in. This is this is one of my pet peeves. If someone's like, "Hey, can I meet with you? I want to talk about some stuff." So we set up time, sit down to meet, and then just sit there and stare at you as if, as if I'm the one that set up the meeting. And I was like, you set up the meeting. I didn't come with anything. I came prepared for just to drink coffee with you and listen to you. You have to come in with like some sort of plan, maybe a couple of questions, uh, maybe something to write with, you know, that kind of stuff. If you're going to meet one time, your time together should be, it should be structured. There should be no doubt on either side of the yoke as to why we're sitting down in this moment. Okay. So don't wing it, all right? Go in with some sort of, of plan. If you're going to meet occasionally, it's, it's similar. You need to be very focused on, on what's happening, you know? If you're going to meet occasionally and you're going to talk about preparing for marriage, you're talking about financial stewardship and those kind of things or like a deeper prayer life, that's what your meeting should be about. Focus around that. Be very intentional with that. Uh, set up, a, a, have a set number of times you're going to meet. Don't let it be open-ended like that. Say, could we meet four times? Could we meet twice and then just see if there's more needed after that? Those, those kinds of things. But it needs to be focused because there's a reason that you're meeting with someone occasionally. Um, if you are going to meet with someone steadily, there's a number of ways that that, that, that can look. Um, you know, I talked several weeks ago about the baseball diamond where, where you cover uh, your relationship with God and your relationship with other people and then the, the tasks and things that you have to do. That's a great way to structure a steady meeting. It's like, all right, let's, let's talk about how you're doing with the Lord. Let's talk about the people that you are ministering to and the relationships that God has, you know, kind of like our community groups do. Let's talk about some of the things you have going on. Let's talk about work. Let's talk about school. Let's talk about uh, st- structuring your time. Let's talk about all those things. Um, when you meet with someone steadily, it's good for every meeting to kind of have, to be very predictable. Uh, discipleship relationships where there is no plan, okay, tend to, they don't really accomplish a whole lot other than spending an hour and a half drinking coffee and whatever, and you kind of walk away with this false sense of mentoring. 
Uh, you need to go in and you need to know exactly what's going to happen. So maybe there's a, some set questions that you're going to that that this person is going to ask this person, or this person is ready to answer every single time. Maybe you read a book together. Maybe you read uh, passages of scripture together and you talk about it. Uh, there's just a number of ways that that can that can look, and there's too many options for me to just run through them today. If you get into this kind of relationship, like a steady discipleship, mentoring kind of thing, if Jesus does that, uh, you need to you need to come to the staff and say, hey, this, I'm starting to meet with this person a lot. Can you put some resources in our hands uh, or give us some options? We would be glad to do that. That's not really for tonight. Um, but you just need to know there's a lot of options for that. Uh, but it really depends on what like what you're hoping happens from there. Um, meeting once, meeting occasionally, meeting steadily. Uh, you have to really let the Lord orchestrate all that. And you have to let him shape it. Uh, there's probably, in all three categories, uh, not a lot of, uh, or there's probably a ton of variance among those relationships as far as what that time together looks like. Because you have two different people in, in every situation. Like every single time you get together, two very different people, different personalities, different gifts, different backgrounds, different whatevers. And so Jesus being the perfect uh, architect of these things is able to shape them just, just as they need to be to where both sides really are learning and both sides really are teaching. So this whole thing is really, it's really up to him. Uh, I think through these couple of weeks, for me, he's been really just stirring a desire to see this um, aspect of this aspect of family life strengthen among us you know for us to trust him and get into the yoke with each other a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and get better at it and some of it honestly is coming from um recognizing uh, two two big factors one that we can we continue to uh god continues to bring college students here uh not by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds because we can't we couldn't handle it but also not in like not two by two either. Uh, he's like meeting us where we are and th- we have them for a window of time. And sometimes we're, we're lucky enough to hang on to them for longer, but uh, there's a reason why. We should be a discipleship factory in that, in that regard. And so we need to get stronger at that. But also, um, and it's connected to the second one, we have so many young families, okay? Um, those kids that are back there and some of them that are sitting here in here now, they're learning in our homes, and we have to get good at this for their sake. We have to pursue this uh, for the glory of the Lord in our congregation and in our homes and our families. And the reason they go together is this. You dads who are, who are in here, um, you may have a little one that's over there. You're going to learn to disciple him by discipling some of these guys in here. That's how you're going to learn. You're going to get better in the yoke with some of these college guys, and that'll be a better situation for your sons. And some of the women, it's the same exact thing for your daughters that are back there. We, we learned this. We learned this over and over and over again. And so um, something that is, is going to come your way very soon is we're going we're gonna to have a way of um, basically harvesting a lot of your uh, experiences and I'm not sure how it's going to work and how, like mechanically, but here's basically what's going on. We're going to ask you to fill out something in the next few weeks, and we're going to ask you to indicate uh, the things that you have been through that you would be willing to sit down with someone else and to help them learn from your experience. All right? And we're talking at a one-time level. All right? We're talking that category, low commitment, low whatever. We're going to ask you to say, what have you been through that puts you on this side of the yoke? Not saying that you're perfect or that you were awesome at it or that you knocked it out of the park, but you learned in the trenches about something. And we're going to ask you to fill out a card and check a box or whatever that says, if someone comes along and they're in this side, they're about to go through it, and they want to be yoked together even for just an hour of coffee and learn from someone, I'm willing to teach someone from my experience. And we're going to try to harvest all those things and compile, like have a database or something. I don't know a better word. I don't know if those exist anymore, but uh, have a something, a list of those experiences so that as people come along and they're like, hey, hey, I'm struggling with this. I've just found out this, 
whatever, we're able to say, okay, I have six people who filled out a card and checked a box and said they would love to sit down and have coffee with you. Let's, let's see if, as staff and elders, if we can kind of orchestrate some of those things. Starting to make some of those kind of kinds of pursuits. But here's what it has to come down to for all of us. And uh, as I conclude this, um, he's creating a lifestyle among us. A lifestyle where we where we value learning from Jesus, directly, indirectly. Where we're constantly sharing our lives and we're teaching and we're learning, and that's just a natural rhythm. It's not weird. It's not intimidating. It's just completely normal. But we have to want it. Like you know, like we have to want that to be the rhythm of life for us. And I think I really just believe that we're that we're getting there. And we've been heading in this direction. I think we're just ready for it differently than we have been. Um, and so it's really about being the kind of people who, who live this way and letting him make us more and more into those kinds of people. So uh, I don't know where any of this lands with you. And some of you, you may have hated this whole series. And we're about to shift into like full-on Lent mode next week or whatever. And so that's fine. But I got to believe that Jesus has stirred some things in all of us about this. And if you want, you want a deeper life, like you want a deeper walk with him, this, he gave us this illustration as a means of, of kind of thinking about something differently. And so be a good steward of whatever he's been stirring in you. Be like, don't just throw it out the window. If he's, he's trying to form us into certain kind of people and we want to be those kinds of people. So uh, let's, let's pray together. We're going to sing a little bit uh, before we go. Pray with me. Jesus, I'm grateful to you for, um, just for your patience with us and this deep desire that you apparently have to, to love us in this way and to shape us and grow us. Um, You invite us to come to you as we are, but when we get in the yoke with you, we don't remain that way. We transform, we grow, and you are our perfect teacher. There's no one who's better at it than you. There's no one who knows more than you do. You're the only one that's been through all the things that we face and yet was without sin. And so not only do you... uh, do you advocate for us and intercede for us, but you you step in and you dwell within us and among us and around us and you guide us as our perfect and good shepherd. And we just need your help. Whatever you stirred in us regarding the yoke, whether it's stirring us about our deep walk with you or the way that we're walking with one another, our desire is to is to live in the fullness of all that you provide for us and help us to really, we have to desire it. We have to want it. We have to want to be these kinds of people. And we can't, we can't muster up that kind of vision for our lives. We can't just dig deeper and try harder. We just need to submit to you and recognize that that's what you do among us. And we need to stop resisting that formation and uh, join you in it. And so help us uh, in our quest to really to be the kind of people that you died for and uh, the kind of the bride that you are, um, that you are, you're just so proud of. And we know that you're proud of us now. We know that you died for our holiness and that that's what you're forming in us. And so just help us as we seek to walk out the things you've stirred in us. Uh, We love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen.